0: Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade, and I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 30 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. O Lord, guide our hearts and our thoughts today. Help us learn more of you as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations on reading the Bible for 30 whole days now, one month done, and 11 months to go. Today, we'll start looking at Mark chapter 2. We find some faithful friends, friends of a paralytic, who believed Jesus could heal. In this rendition of the story, these friends had no way of getting to Jesus except through the roof. So they dug through the roof to get their friend in front of the man who could heal him. I wonder what risk they took digging through the roof of someone else's home. I wonder what repercussions they suffered because of it. And I wonder if the man strapped to the mat was terrified as he was being lowered through the roof of the house. But we aren't told any of these things, but we are told their friend was healed. Verse five says, and when Jesus saw their faith, their confidence in God through him, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven you and put away. That is, the penalty is remitted, the sense of guilt removed, and you are made upright and in right standing with God. It was faith in Jesus that cured this man. It was faith in Jesus that allowed him to be forgiven of his sins and righteous in God's sight. We can learn here. First, are we willing, as they were, to go to great lengths to live in faith Are we willing to believe in things such as healing? No, God hasn't changed in his ability to heal, but are we willing to believe for it? And lastly, are we willing to receive forgiveness for our sins as Jesus offered it to this man? These, these are things to meditate on and ponder as we think about just how great and powerful our God is. Of course, the scribes watching this amazing healing started grumbling. If unbelief sets in before our faith and belief has a chance to produce good fruit, we will not see the miracle we are waiting on. So let us keep believing. The rest of the chapter shows Jesus, the Messiah, not acting like the Pharisees expected a Messiah to act. He was breaking the rules. He was eating with sinners. His disciples didn't fast like John the Baptist's disciples did. And they collected and ate grain on the Sabbath. These activities didn't seem to be ones that a Messiah would participate in, which further diminished their belief that he could be the Messiah. We might think about how we may have felt had we seen Jesus do these things too. I also thought I would believe in Jesus if I lived back in that day, but I'm not sure that I would have acted any different than the pious people of the day. It's just something to ponder. We judge the Pharisees harshly because we know the end of this story, but I cannot be sure I wouldn't have believed as they did if I would have lived in those days and time. This perspective makes the first story about the paralyzed man and his friends, their faith even more significant. Well, let's see what's happening in Romans chapter 2. We start off with one of Paul's more notorious statements in verse 1, which says, Therefore, You have no excuse or defense or justification, O man, whoever you are who judges and condemns another. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself, because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censor and denounce. Well, this statement also goes along with our lesson from Mark chapter 2, where the Pharisees judged Jesus harshly. I love Paul's response to his own statement. Verse 4 says, or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will? There's a huge lesson here. God is kind and loving. He will wait for us as we learn about him. He is patient and forbearing. His true nature draws us to him and increases our affinity and love for him. And as our love grows, we just naturally want to lean into him, learn of him, and please him. Instead of God using force and anger, he uses love to compass our hearts toward him. He compasses us about in love. Well, let's see what's happening with Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9. Things are much the same. God sends Moses to Pharaoh, demanding the Israelites go free. Pharaoh says no, and there is another plague sent against the Egyptians. The Israelites, however, are not hurt by these natural disasters that keep occurring. Just the Egyptians are affected. Each time, Pharaoh says he will let them go. But when the disaster clears up, Pharaoh's heart hardens again. Verse 12 says, But the Lord... Harden the heart of Pharaoh, making it strong and obstinate. And he did not listen to them or heed them, just as the Lord had told Moses. All was going according to God's plan. And as I read and reread these chapters, I cannot help but be thankful the Lord doesn't harden my heart. I actually continually pray he keeps my heart soft. Verse 14 tells us, gives us some insight as to why God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Verse 14 and 16 say, for this time I will send all my plagues upon your heart and upon your servants and your people that you may recognize and know that there is none like me in all the earth. But for this very purpose have I let you live, that I might show you my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. God wants everyone to see his might and his power. He wants everyone to hear about his might and power all throughout the ages as we read about god's magnificent power and strength we praise him today chapter 10 verse 1 says exactly this the lord said to moses go to pharaoh for i have made his heart hard and his servants hearts that i might show these my signs of divine power before him and that you may recount in the ears of your son and of your grandson what i have done in derision of the egyptians And what things I have repeatedly done there, my signs of divine power done among them, that you may recognize and know that I am the Lord. Well, two more times the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart in this chapter so he would not let the people go. God wasn't finished yet. We must see here that God takes his time. He takes time to show himself magnificent. Even though things looked bad to Pharaoh many years ago, We will go through times when things look really bad in our lives too, but God has a plan. Just as he planned thousands of years ago, he has a plan today too, and we will see what happens in chapter 11 tomorrow. Well, Psalm 30 was written because David sinned. His sin didn't seem too radical in human standards. He simply called for a census of all the men who could fight. First Chronicles 21- Verse 7 tells us why it was sinful for David to number his men. And God was displeased with this reliance on human resources, and he smote Israel. David had to choose between one of three possible punishments, three years of famine, three months of loss at war, or three days of pestilence. David chose the three days. Seventy thousand men died in those three days. And David was told to build an altar for the Lord, which he did. This psalm is dedicated to the altar to the Lord. Verse five says, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime, or his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Another favorite verse of mine is verse 11, which says, you have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You have taken off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. And finally, David ends this psalm with praise and thanks. We may have to suffer for a moment, but God's blessings are sure to come. May we praise and thank him for his blessings. Let us pray. O Lord, you are power and might. You are magnificent and glorious. Your will is always done. May you bend our will to yours, mold and shape us into the people you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.